Reintroducing the Iced Apple Crisp Oat Milk Macchiato from Starbucks. Now with Starbucks Blonde Espresso and Oat Milk, layered with flavors of apple, cinnamon, and brown sugar, and topped with a spiced apple drizzle. Welcome back, fall. Order today with the Starbucks app. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.
ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real That's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD, hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network, global, a home for the locals Gotta be social Network, global, a home for the locals How are you, Faith? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining me today. I know it's a little, it's, well, we're both kind of in the evening time. You're a little bit further ahead than me. Yeah. yeah. Where are you at? I'm in Washington state. Oh yeah. I am a bit ahead then. Just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in Tennessee, correct? Or you're out, is that where you're at? Yep. That's where I'm from. I'm in, I'm in Nashville. I've always lived here. So. Okay. Well, the accent gives you away, right? A little bit. Yeah, sometimes people ask if I'm from Alabama. So, oh, what's the difference? Is there like, is there an Alabama twang? It's like, apparently, my accent's just a little more uh, present. I don't know, mm. but I've gotten it more than a couple times. So, I see. I see. Well, I'm glad to have you here. And uh, when I was uh, on Instagram, I said, man, this is some good music. And kind of saw what you're talking about. I was like, I want to talk about this. I want to talk to this person. Um, your music uh, resonates with me. There's a lot of different themes, but before we get into that, like take me back to when music became a part of your life. Oh, so where I got started. Mm -hmm. um, I would say it really goes back to when I was growing up, I pretty much only listened to Christian music. Mm -hmm. And I got really into Switchfoot yeah. and they had come out. I was in fifth grade, I think when meant to live came out Yeah, yeah. and it was blowing up on, you know, MTV and stuff. And I, I can see the video right now, but me it too. made me want to play guitar. <laughs> so we, my dad growing up, my dad was always like two things. You're never going to have an electric guitar or a drum set, but he folded and surprised me with a guitar he bought at a pawn shop once, signed me up for guitar lessons, and that's where it started. And Men to Live was the first song I learned how to play. And by the time I got to, it really picked up when I got to be around 15, I think. Yeah. And that's when I started playing in the youth band at church. Mm -hmm. And maybe a year and a half into that, I was playing every Sunday. So I'm one of those that churches where it started. Yep. I had a stand as a, a drummer at one point for a second there. And uh, that, yeah, I guess that's how it started. <laughs> so started in church and how did it start to progress to maybe a different sound or you wanted to explore things that weren't uh, so much church-based in the music so that I will I will preface when I graduated when I was 21 I put out a full-length Christian record that a friend mm -hmm. and I produced ourselves and very short even when that was happening prior to that I knew I was gay from the time I was like 10 or 11 yeah and at some point in time, it's like I just realized that there was, there couldn't be a place for me there, mm. which I'm starting to see that change That's in changing. some progressive. That's definitely changing. Yeah. yeah. And um, so at some point I just realized, I was like, this is a thing that I can't really pursue if I want to do it. Yeah. And I struggled with what to do with it for a while because I kept writing very I don't know. There was just the wor worshipy elements just in the music, not even the words that, yeah. you know, I kept writing the same song basically all the time. And when I was 23, I think I had come out, you know, pretty much to everyone at that point. And I met two friends of mine who uh, were going to this church. It was an Episcopal church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And one of them played in what we call the DIY scene around here mm -hmm. and was in a band. Uh, her name's Julian Baker. And she kind of, she listened to a few things that I had and I showed, I shared her, shared with her some of the newer songs I was working on, which at that point I was listening to a lot of 
Brandy Carlisle. I was listening mm-hmm. to Julian's music as well and starting to pull some of those elements. And she suggested that she, one of them suggested that I hit up a little house booking agency. I don't remember what they were called now. And, and to see if they would put me on a show. And they did. I played a little house in Murfreesboro called Dad's Garage. And I used a couple of those newer songs that were starting to be a little bit like what I was doing. I just, I just felt like I hadn't found, found like a place for me at the time. Cause I was yeah. kind of between two worlds and I wasn't really sure where to go. And there wasn't a lot of people at that show, but the people who were there responded really, really well. And from there, it kind of had a domino effect. I started listening to other bands that were also in that scene and which I'm friends with several now. And that really influenced it even more and kind of led to it being what it is now. And I really hate that that house like was there were so many great shows and there was this real small tiny little house right outside of mtsu's campus yeah but it it did end up closing down a few years ago but that was just that was kind of where it, how i am now started wow it's interesting i wonder what how did your relationship with church and christianity change as you started you know down your musical path when this goes to the same friends actually Mm -hmm. so one time i was hanging out with both of them and one of them they had helped with some fall event i don't remember it was called pumpkin fest or something Mm -hmm. they had just helped set up and stuff and she was like faith i think you gotta check it out she's like because this was just a bunch of lesbians setting up pumpkin fest at a church (laughs) And I think you need to check it out. Wow. And I said, I'm going to do it. So, and I was playing every Sunday at the church I grew up in at the time. So I took a week off. I went and it was really, it was something because I went from going to a church that was very like Hillsong music and stuff to an Episcopal church, which is, you know, similar to Catholic, but different. But they're, you know, traditional. We have the hymns. We have the books. You know, there was two or three books there that you had to pick up. And you, like, had the um, bulletin thing they gave you that told you what page to go to when. I mean, it was a little little much when I first started. (laughs) But the pastor, which I call it something else, but I don't remember what it is. She was someone who reminded me of if... Tina Fey and Ellen DeGeneres meshed together Mm. and they were a minister. Mm. And so it really drew me in. And also the, it was so funny because it was the whole congregation was maybe 75% old people and then 25% young LGBTQ. Whoa. Including, I mean, even since I've been there, someone who had started the same time I did, uh, they're trans and they married someone on the board. Yeah. Um, Someone who was LGBT was playing, they were playing piano back then. It was different to see that kind of involvement. So I started going like once a month and eventually I phased out. Yeah. And further down the road that uh, the pastor there ended up moving to a different church and I wasn't that into it after she left. So I kind of phased out and I haven't actually been to a service in three or four years, probably. Yeah. I, I still believe in things, but it's kind of like, I don't know. I've let myself kind of investigate things myself and not just believe everything I was told growing up. Uh-huh. And I found some things that are pretty revolutionary that, that, I, I really thought were so because what I was told growing up, but they don't seem to be there. And I don't know. I still believe in God. I'm that uh, agnostic kind of type now, I mm-hmm. believe. And we actually met my girlfriend and I run a thing called No Subject Apparel. 
And through that, we met a lady named Amanda, who's over a church nearby. Yeah. Uh, and she reminds me of the minister from years ago at that one church that I liked. And we're actually talking about going to visit. We, we did some shirts for their church. Right. So it's, it's always an evolving thing. I went through a long phase where I didn't really want anything to do with it, but I think I'm starting to come out of it and try to not necessarily close the book, but get some kind of closure or resolution. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, it's, a, it's definitely a journey and anything, and especially with religion and spirituality. And um, I saw like, I think some of the themes that you discuss or you sing about is like questioning or I, may, I might be getting this wrong about fear of happiness. And I saw that and I was like, I want to talk about that. Tell me about that. This fear of happiness is part of a theme of your music. The first time I ever heard of that, basically, which is, I don't know if it's sheriffobia or cherophobia, mm. but my mom had actually said something to me expressing the fear of happiness. And I Googled it and saw that it was actually a thing and it was sheriffobia. Mm. And that was years ago. I mean, probably 10, 10 or so years ago that she said that. And I remember I wrote a song back then based on that. And which was never put out, but I took lyrics out of it that ended up on the record now. But eventually it kind of falls in with it. So the record title was The Difference. Mm -hmm. And kind of the, to try to explain that because it falls in line with this, it's kind of like, if I'm this way, let's say I'm not, I'm kind of unhappy in this moment. Let's say that something happens, whether it's a relationship, a job, or just any kind of life event, anything. And that makes me feel better. But then let's say that thing leaves. It's this concept of being scared of the happiness for the after that comes after it. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I did find myself in that, in the sense of I, more so based on relationships and whatnot and things not working out. And it was always like, you know, every time I think things are going to get good and then it doesn't, it gets worse than it was before it got better again. Mm. Or that's at least how it felt. Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting now to talk about it because I've been in like probably the happiest stage of my life for the last year and a half or two. But I, so it's interesting to even to talk about it now. And I also feel this, I haven't written a lot in a while. And it's kind of this scary thing because there are some people who say that they have a hard time writing when they're happy. Yeah. So I think there's an interesting thing in that. There is. Yeah. I've had discussions with several artists about this. And I was curious about actually your take on because you know so many people it seems like pain creates a lot of great music and something and then it's like the happiness from other artists i've talked to it seems like it, it can be difficult when there's so much mm -hmm. joy and maybe people are really connected to kind of that angst and that pain and the the difficulties is, is that do you have a similar thing to that or is that very different for you I would definitely say that that's a thing that goes on with me. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm trying right now to work on creating the time and stuff to actually work on writing again or just playing. I took, I haven't, I've yet to play a show since COVID started. Yeah. And I have something booked in December and I've tried to take on anything that makes me do it. Mm-hmm. So I am playing with, uh, I'm filling in on guitar for a friend's band that's called Smallville in a couple, few weeks for their release show. Yeah. And I have found that doing that and making myself do those things and learn those songs and play with them, it does help make me want to write. I haven't yet had time lately to explore that more, but it it is interesting because I've, I've had a talk with my girlfriend recently about it because I saw a tweet that was referencing it. And it's just kind of like, 
I don't know there's something in having all of your music about sadness because yeah. then when you don't have it you're like what do I sing about now mm. and the the genre I'm in is genuinely called emo so right, it's right. just like <laughs> I'm like ah it's hard to fit in here and so yeah I think I'm gonna try to maybe base songs on other people or pull you know I'm like there's still mm. things I can pull from the past maybe but at the same time, it's just like, but I also don't want to be unhappy in order <laughs> to write those things. I would rather be me now not writing. Yeah. So that's yeah. been an interesting thing I'm working with right now. I feel like a lot of artists, especially ones who end up um, creating kind of this masterpiece for themselves, whatever that means for you, you know, and whether it's commercial success, whether it's kind of a local success, it's like, where do you go from here for that? Have you created something you really love? I mean, a lot of the music I've heard from you, I, I really like a lot. Like, oh, I was like, you. man, this is good stuff. Like the voice, the sound, I'm, I'm driven to it. Do you, where do you see the music going over time as your life progresses? Maybe it obviously may not know, but like, what do you want to do? You know? Um. It's interesting because COVID really put a wrench in a lot of things for everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I originally planned to, I had not toured it all yet. And I originally planned, okay, I'm going to tour when this record comes out and all this stuff. COVID hit right when I finished uh, tracking it. Mm -hmm. And I just decided that I had to put it out because who knew how long this was going to go and I didn't want to wait. And I'm glad I didn't wait because it would have been a, a good while but I think for me it looks like once things clear up a little more trying to tour it mm -hmm. a little bit um and go on the road with some friends bands hopefully record some more and put be able to promote that without the COVID deal yeah. interrupting but at the same time it's like I'm trying not to define anything by whatever success it gets right for me it's more like as long as it's fun while I'm doing it and you know I'm not putting myself in some huge financial hole which I'm usually pretty good about because I record and do a lot of it myself yeah but as long as I'm still happy doing it that's really all I care about and it's yeah. kind of like if if it really really takes off then that's cool if it does it you know it's still I'm still getting something out of it yeah and you know and this spins into a little bit of a different thing but one issue I've had you know when it comes to this kind of deal with with taking it to a different level or anything is now to be successful you have to be so like so good at being a content creator mm -hmm. with the social media and just <laughs> pictures and this and that and I'm like I want to play and write music. I don't want to have to do this. So yes. I think a lot of my challenge has been that I really don't care to look at Instagram ever. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it gets very discouraging when it, when you feel like you have yeah. to do the TikTok and the reels and do yeah. have a post every day. And to me, that's tiring. And I'm trying yes. to figure out where the medium is. Man, this conversation is literally the conversation I have with almost every single person I have on this podcast. I've had almost 400 of these, and I'm starting to build a case for the exhaustion of social media among a lot of people. And for, for artists, I think, actually, I was just having a conversation with my brother, who is a musician. He's a hip hop artist and he's become very commercially successful. He lives off his music, everything does pretty, pretty big, actually, if you think about the stuff he's done, but he doesn't like it either. And actually, I think most people don't like it. And for artists, yeah. I feel bad for artists because you just want to do your thing. You know, yeah. you don't want to have to spend more time on content and documenting every second of your life. Versus, I feel like that takes the energy out of the the creation of music. Yep. You know, and you're you're like the nine millionth person who's told me that. I'm serious, <laughs> Faith. And there's something no, going on in it. the water. 
there's something in the water because yeah. I feel the exact same way as you as someone as a podcast and this form of artistry. I, I promote my podcast, but not that much. That's the mm -hmm. honest truth. The goal for me is to meet interesting people. And through that time, if I meet people, then we, we create a, a really cool relationship. We become closer and we, we have great conversation. That's the goal for me, whatever. So like what you're saying, I'm like, oh gosh, it sounds like my mentality mm, yeah. to the whole thing. You know, if other things happen, but I feel like we're in a world where like, it's kind of like viral versus your values, you know, like, yep. Mm -hmm. what are, what is faith going to do on Instagram to promote her music that maybe not is part of her value system as a person in order to try to get big, you know, it's like, do you feel that mm -hmm. pressure? You know, I know it's there. I don't feel like I fully bit into it yet. I remember when I, so when I put the record out, it was on a yeah. label, it was on chill wave records, mm -hmm. which is a DIY label. And I mean, they didn't tell me, but I had, you know, my girlfriend's in marketing. She's like, you need to, she knows all the times you should post like all mm -hmm. of that. And she's like, you need to post it like do this, this, and this. And I just couldn't find it in me yeah. to, to care enough. And it, <laughs> and you know, and a lot of times I'm like, I'm sure the record could have done better, but it was just like, at what point do you draw the line between personal life and pushing that hard to do that all the time? Yeah. And, and, you know, something else that's kind of interesting I thought of when, when you were talking was when, you know, the internet and, and technology and being able to record at home, you know, it's funny because it helped artists so much at the beginning, mm -hmm. you know, we, we didn't need labels. Like you right. had artists who were, I remember the civil wars were like the first artists that That's right. just blew up without a label. And, but you had all these artists who, because of the internet could, could succeed and didn't need that help from, you know, big companies. Yeah. And now it's almost having the opposite mm -hmm. effect, I feel, because <laughs> now we're, it's the opposite and we're like oversaturated. Like you get yes. on TikTok and you scroll and you're like, you know, you, you'll go through five people holding a guitar in two seconds if you go yeah. fast enough. Yeah. And it's like trying to be the one someone stops on. Yeah. It is very similar to, um, which is illegal, like a Ponzi scheme on some level. Follow me on this. Like the people who get in first always make a lot of money. But everybody who gets in kind of in the middle and the last don't make any money and often lose a lot. And the analogy for me is that if you're first in something or close, it may be, it may pop for you. But as soon as that whole field gets saturated, it's very difficult to break through the dam mm -hmm. and do that. But then I think there's another layer with it is what is this doing to us at the same time? Mm -hmm. And we think about bands that got big. I, I grew up in the 80s bands that got big it's like i mean they were trying to do shows basically to get big or somebody listened to the music but it was like they just played a lot and then maybe somebody saw them you know fate yep. intervention and they got big they, they didn't even know what was going to happen they didn't like weren't trying to like you know they're putting up posters on the street mm -hmm. come see the show you know and whatever and now it's like there's this constant striving to become famous. Yep. This, this really direct line, like, I want to be famous. I want to be big. Now, what is that doing to us? Especially musicians. I feel like it's like cratering the, the quality of music in many ways, because you're creating something for potentially going viral. You know? Yep. It, you know, and then I thought of this too, and this goes back to when you were asking me like what the success looks for me or whatever that question yeah. was. And, and it goes in with this. I have uh, that friend Julian I was talking about. Mm -hmm. She, it was kind of like fate intervened and then she yeah. had a, an EP up on Bandcamp. Someone found it from 6131. Yeah. They said, hey, let us formally release this. So she did and it blew up. Mm -hmm. And she was one of those who never had any intention. She thought it was funny. She was like, no one's going to listen to this. Yeah. And you know, that it was the exact opposite, you know, 
And it's been an, an experience to be close with one of my favorite musicians and watch that arc and see what it's like at the top. Yeah. And sometimes when I see it, it's like, I don't even know if I would want it. Right. With how often you have to be gone on tour mm-hmm. and everything else, you know, streaming kind of messed things up too when it came to money for artists. So you have yeah. to be on tour all the time. And I watched her, you know, put a record out, be gone for three months, mm-hmm. you know, work on another record, do it again and go to the UK and this and that. And I was just like, I don't know that I'd want to be gone that much and, yeah. and be that. So it's like, I don't even know what I'm trying to do half the time. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that everybody should be striving to be famous mm-hmm. as a musician. I don't think it's for everybody. I actually don't think it's for most people. I think yep. there's, there's nothing wrong with just enjoying what you do. Maybe you make it to the middle of the business. Maybe you support yep. yourself and nobody ever knows who you are, but you, you, know, you love it. But I think we've got this crazy obsessed culture with constant, endless growth and endless wealth uh, pursuit and all mm-hmm. these things. And um, it's just funny hearing you talk about it. I'm like, man, this is yeah. like, literally, I hear this all the time. <laughs> and, you know, and I can add to it. I have, so I live in Nashville. I know all kinds of musicians. Mm-hmm. And I have another friend from Canada who is, is, garnered some actual success Mm -hmm. and she's another one that really wasn't trying to do anything and someone just said hey let me put your stuff out and give this a try and you know it's Mm -hmm. worked out and she got signed to a major label and one thing I found the people I feel like at least this isn't the case at all times but I feel like people sense when you're trying to become famous and that's the goal yeah and they're turned off by it because I mean the friends I have had that have had the most success they're the ones that were just doing it for fun and doing it as an outlet they didn't have those goals right and you know I know uh, I've met some people who I know that that's what they're trying to do and it does make me not want to work with them yeah or you know follow them as much because I'm just like not saying that there's necessarily anything wrong with it, but I just think the reasoning is wrong and it makes mm-hmm. it not fun anymore. Right. And people just pick up on it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, but that seems like it's so funny. It's almost like that's the internet and social media. It's like yep. a big portion of it is like gaining attention. And I think it was interesting, like I'm looking through a little bit of your bio and stuff and there's so many, so many deep things that are deeper than kind of the surface level stuff that we are kind of extolling these days for that. And uh, like I saw, there's like use of questioning religion, you know, fear of happiness. What are some other themes that you feel very compelled to write about or sing about? I would say mental health. I, I found, you know, for me, the most personal and hardest songs to write are always the ones that people come up to me about Mm. and, you know, have this whole feeling of, Hey, I felt that too. Yeah. And I think it makes people feel less alone when they hear about it and someone else say it. Uh, So I would say that it, I feel like most of all, it ends up being that in my religious trauma coming out all the time (laughs) oh man that seems like a theme for sure with that Mm -hmm. as you've had a lot of um people in different aspects of religion and spirituality i think for me like i i mean i've been a lifelong christian but i i like exploring the other sides of religion and spirituality and how people think about things you know um i had a lady on her book was all about uh, women and the Catholic priesthood. And it was so fascinating about kind of how it had been in her mind, how it had been covered up in the whole thing. But I think this, that's what makes artists great is all these incredible themes and how deep you can take um, music 
and where it takes you. I mean, so what have you learned the most from your musical journey so far about yourself? Oh, that's a good question. I'm thinking. <laughs> I don't think this is an answer to that, but one thing I was going to say is, you know, it's kind of the contrary of what I said before in saying that, you know, other people feel less alone when they mm -hmm. hear certain songs. It's had that same effect right back to where mm -hmm. I'm like, I've learned that there are so many people who think a lot of the same things mm -hmm. and I'm far from being the only one that has had those thoughts. Yeah. And, you know, uh, another thing I've probably learned is that I am capable of talking to people. <laughs> because You're capable of I grew talking up, to people. I was very, I was very introverted as a kid and terrified of like being on stage and this and that. Yeah. And even now, a lot of people think it's funny when they find out I do music because they're like, you don't talk much. And I'm <laughs> like, I, you know, I don't know. But I find that like, despite being that way with a lot of people, when it comes to music, I'm able to tap into like another person. Mm -hmm. and have those better conversations kind of like we are right now yeah and I don't know music just brings people together at the end of the day it does it's a beautiful thing and uh just the sound the melodies like seriously when I was like I'm not a big Instagram person and stuff I mean I'm not running down most of the stuff but like <laughs> when I'm always looking for people or people are always looking for me in terms of my podcast I've been doing it a while and it's been pretty consistent. And I love having musical guests on. There's something about music. I just <laughs> love the process of how people make music. Mm -hmm. And I came across your music and I was like, this is really good. This is <laughs> like you. really good. Yeah. And I've listened to, I have a buddy of mine. We, he, where I do several podcasts within my podcast universe, I guess if you could say. And he's, he did 12 albums in 12 months, which was crazy. Crazy. Oh, Jesus. I know, right? It's the logistics of that. Yes. Every, so, and I said, I need to document this every month. Like you do the album, I listen to it and we kind of chat about it. You know, That's we, beca cool. That's we became cool friends. Thing. I didn't know him at all. And I just saw he was doing it. And then I interviewed his wife and, and she's like, you got to meet my husband, Simon. He's doing something crazy. And, <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then we talked, we became friends immediately through his music and chatting. And, you know, and, and, and if you get a chance, you got to check out the episodes. They're hilarious. Yeah. I was just thinking I'm going to have to They're go funny find because he's kind of like, he's chatting. He's like, I hate this album. This is not my best work. You know, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> and then he's like, makes an amazing album that he loves. And I think that's just music. It's like, do you make something and you're like, this isn't good or this is amazing. Oh, all the time. It's yeah. also like, okay, so there's a couple ways I can answer this. There are a lot of times where I'll, I'll do something and I think it's not great. But one okay. thing I've done is, is, which it's been a long time since I've sent friends demos, but I'll send it to a couple friends. And I've, I can't remember what song it is, but I know there's at least one song on the record that I didn't think was that great, but <laughs> like other people did. And I threw it on there. Um, license plate. License plate is yeah. one of those. I really didn't think it was that great. I wrote it when I was upset about something. Mm -hmm. And I sent it to one of my friends who plays under the name Stosky. And I, she's like, this is the best song you've ever written. And then my <laughs> guitar player told me the same thing later on when I shared the record with him. And it's just so funny because we can we judge ourselves more than anyone else. And so sometimes it takes an outside opinion to tell me like, Hey, yeah. you're thinking too hard about this. I mean, photographers do it. Anyone who does art yeah. typically has that experience. And on the other hand, there have been times where I've finished something, recorded it, thought it was absolutely great. And then I go back and I go, what was I thinking last night? Like, <laughs> this is not that good. Uh, and so I don't know. It's both sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. But Contentment is a song on there. And I remember when I wrote that, I was like, this is good. Uh, and then some songs, you, you know, I feel a little 
not sure about and i just take them into the studio mm. and see what they become yeah uh they're uh, the song white lines i thought it was long and drawn out and i didn't think <laughs> it was my best but by the time we got in and um because i usually record scratch tracks of of mm -hmm. like vocal guitar maybe some leads if i think of some and then i take it to my friend eddie's house and this guy david will play drums on it and they just kind of do their own thing to it and i let yeah. them do it because you know what <laughs> better to let people better than me figure it out right if they want to and i remember eddie said let's put bells in and then david did his thing and i was like this is now like my favorite moment on the record yeah like you know sometimes it's hard to tell what it's gonna be yeah that's interesting yeah for sure i mean do you when you're writing how long of a process is that for you like and and is there like a ritual to your writing and your process I would say, and it's, it's funny because it's changed over time. When I was younger, I always wrote like all the lyrics first. And then one day I would pick the guitar up when I had time and mess with it. For the last maybe four years, I pretty much just feel like I want to write something. Pick a guitar up. And the best way I can explain it is I literally just spit it out. Yeah. All at once. Just start trying guitar and vocal I'll play the same thing sing the one line and I'll do it 50 times until the next one shows up and I go <laughs> okay that's good okay and almost every time I write something that at least comes out I'll write it all within that first sit down yeah very rarely do I go back and pull something and if something is taken if something's not falling into place fast enough I just, I'll scrap it and I just don't do it. I might save yeah. the lines and use them in something else when I sit down at another time. But for the most part, it takes me, I would say 45 minutes max. Okay. Um, and, it, and everyone writes different ways because I have friends who they will go back and pick out a song 50, like 50 times line by line, changing words. And I typically won't change anything after it's done. Mm. I love the process. There's something about the process mm -hmm. that's uh, magical to me. I think on anything, but in music, you know, I used to love this show behind the music. Um, oh yeah, v I remember VH1 or something like mm -hmm. that. And I know people are like hate that shows. They're like, well, I don't want to know all the stuff that happened. I just want to listen to it. I'm like, we have very different ideas about music. <laughs> I used like, to be that way too. I'd be really? like trying to find every YouTube video I could, watch every interview where they talk yeah. about something and figure out what 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 it's about for them yeah like i i have for for years i was obsessed with how did they make how did you two make where the streets have no name and i was like just how like the song comes on and it's so quiet and it builds and like what was the i just i just love that aspect behind it just building something i, I think is magical and, and makes love, you close to it i love it when bands put out like little documentaries yeah yeah to go with it because i really like to watch the process as well yeah tegan and sarah have a it used to come in a deluxe version with the record mm -hmm. but they did one called the con or, or oh. their record the con yeah yeah that documentary just fascinated me to high heavens i gotta watch with how they did certain scenes and or certain sounds like there's yeah. a section where they took like a broken reverb thing and just smacked it on the ground oh and it created it was like broken and it like created i love knowing about all of those things yeah or like how paramore on it was it was a song on their record brand new eyes yeah. there's a time where the drummer is like tapping on a stack of magazines huh i like knowing about those things that yeah, are kind of me too odd but they work yeah I, that's fascinating I, I gotta watch that one with tegan and sarah that's Mm -hmm. I, I do like, recommend I think yeah. it's on YouTube pretty easy now so. okay I gotta check that out I mean I think that's really interesting um this it's it I, I don't know it's your your thoughts behind all of this are so consistent with what I keep hearing that's what <laughs> I just like this weird thing and I'm like in my mind I'm like something's happening here 
And yeah. I think we're all having this collective feeling of like wanting to get back to just ourselves mm-hmm. and not being controlled by this external thing that's telling you to love me, to like me, to be on, you know, it's kind of, yeah. there's an interesting thing happen. I think musicians in general, I think are feeling it for sure. Um, it's, just, it's actually amazing for that. So do you see like yourself always doing music no matter what throughout the course of your life? Yeah, I think so. Um, even if it's just me recording for myself and throwing yeah. it up on Bandcamp only, like I plan yeah. to keep doing it. You know, I think I was, rec- I don't know. I, uh, I had some weird life stuff happen right before COVID. And so mm-hmm. I think between that and COVID it, in a way, it's been nice to have a break and not mm-hmm. play shows. And even it be this thing that I feel like I have to do, even though now I'm having the opposite problem and I'm like, I need to do it and I need to want to do it. <laughs> But, um, man, I lost my train of thought on there. Um, (laughs) but man, what was I saying? (laughs) I just totally lost it. It totally happens. Oh, if I was going to play music forever. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is I have like a decent studio set up. I record drums and stuff. So I've, I've been helping other friends record stuff as well. Yeah. So even if I don't do as much writing and, re- and like playing, recording myself, like I still like to help other people. And I really like people giving me just like guitar and a vocal on a song of theirs. And I'm like, all right, just leave this with me. I'm going to like mm-hmm. put everything else on it. <laughs> yeah. So I like doing that part. That's cool. I mean, you know, I think like I always tell artists, I'm like, you should make music forever because, you know, every decade you're going to tell a different story mm-hmm. of your life yep. and it'd be so cool to be like in your 60s and you're creating music and then you listen back to something in your 20s it's probably unrecognizable mm-hmm. <laughs> for the person yep. that you are so thank you for creating the music that you're yeah, creating thank you yeah and heck with what you just said i'm like i guess right now i'm trying to figure out what my next story to tell is so yeah you're a storyteller yeah. right isn't it all yeah. singer songwriters you, mm-hmm. you tell stories and question it is you know what type of story is it you know it's is it a sad story is it happy you know <laughs> mysterious mm-hmm. yep and i think your genre of music it's uh it lends itself to like a really kind of this ethereal thing sometimes it always reminds me of Radiohead, honestly. Uh, yeah, like, I never really listened to a lot of Radiohead, honestly. I love Radiohead, man. <laughs> like, I feel like maybe, because when I was younger, I didn't think I liked them, but I've, I've realized I like a lot of things now that when I was younger, I didn't yeah. like. So that might be something I need to go check back out. Okay, Computer. One of the greatest albums ever made, I feel like. I mean, I'll, I'm going to listen to it then. It's really good. It's like, and, and in Rolling Stones and all any magazines, like when they do the top albums of all time, it's always up there, like top 10, top 20. I just think it's all, it's kind of the, the artist, Tom York, the, the front guy, like his singing sounds so desperate. And you feel like he gave every last ounce of sweat to every song that's on there. And I love it when artists are that vulnerable in their music, mm. right? even when like the voice is breaking or it's like, yeah, they leave it. They just leave it because it's so raw, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's something a- I like about that. That reminds me, there's a song by Gracie Abrams. I don't remember which song it is off the top of my head right now, but she has a song that you can hear the voice crack and her mm-hmm. almost start to cry. Yeah. And I'm like, that is the best part. Uh and how great is that? I mean, do you yeah. have, before we go, I, I just thought about, do you have like a best vocal performance that you've had on one of your songs? Oh, me, I don't know. I'm not, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. It's been a long time since I've played any of my songs to even like remember yeah. titles. but I will say I don't know maybe if I go back and listen to it now I won't think so but I really have a thing for the song cycle Mm -hmm. and some of the lyrics in that 
So maybe that one, but I also, <laughs> I'd have to go back and think about it. But I do know, I do know, I have a thing for when my voice does the weird growl thing mm-hmm. that yeah. happens. So whenever that comes out, I, I'm like, all right, I'm in it. <laughs> Faith, you're hilarious. Like you're <laughs> the most unassuming person who makes music to me. Really? <laughs> like Because the person I'm talking to and the thing that I listen to <laughs> are not the same people at all. <laughs> uh, yeah i know i do feel like i have a double life sometimes yeah there's so. something different about your voice how it comes across the sound and then i'm talking to you i'm like these things are not here <laughs> <laughs> somehow they are i don't know yeah but that's the beauty of it it's almost yeah. this kind of like reluctant goodness you know mm-hmm. it's like it's like you want to do great but you're kind of like well i don't you know I, I can't be on this hamster wheel, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think, admire that. I think also, you know, doing music when you're writing or performing, it almost like gives you permission to be that other part of yourself yeah. as well. Yeah. And opens the door to, you know, letting that part show. Yeah. I love that. What you just said. I think there's a lot of that for most of us that we have this other side of us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're just afraid to let it happen. Yeah. Be released. You know, like, like I wouldn't I said, think you were an artist. I really wouldn't think yeah. you were an artist talking to you. Like, like I said, the best songs and the ones I've gotten the most response to are the ones that were the hardest for me to write that I like kind of had to give permission to myself to do. Mm. So, yeah, that's amazing. Well, Faith, thank you for giving me some of your time. Yeah, thank and you. It's, it's been fun. Yeah, it's just, you know, I'm off the cuff thinking about, man, I'm, I'm getting like my mind's all blown up about your music and then talking to you. I'm like... <laughs> like i know i'm like i go back and listen again and now they have the picture of you i'm like okay i gotta put these together (laughs) all right well hopefully they fit (laughs) no it fits it fits you ever (laughs) say when something's so different it fits together that's what is here to me and i think it's i actually think it's a beautiful thing and you make really good music anybody who listens this is it's really worth your time to listen to uh the art that faith has created so thank you so much yeah thank you so much for your time and uh uh if you well i don't know if you want to tell people <laughs> i will no i do you. want to tell people okay please do i want I you think to it's been good yeah i would love for you to like just tell people where they can listen to your music you know kind of follow your journey you can find me uh all of my music all of it is on spotify itunes apple music as i joke pick your poison Mm-hmm. and uh i'm actually changing my website over i almost said that but it doesn't it's not actually on right now um but you can find my handle is faith holt on instagram faith a holt on twitter uh faith holt on anything else or yeah. faith holt music on facebook uh and you can find me that way and as you heard me talk about i don't really keep up with it much but <laughs> But I'm, I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, just keep creating awesome music. And, yeah, thank uh, you. I will. Of course. Thanks for your time. And uh, we'll be in touch. All right. Thank you. Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area. And now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.